podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No breaks. No breaks. No fear. No fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along. British Speedway's top two divisions are officially back. And what an opening night it was of drama. At the National Speedway Stadium, the Bellevue Aces took away the spoils, but only just against the Sheffield Tigers. It went down to the last heat. We'll hear from a couple of the stars from that match, Brady Kurtz and Jack Holder. Yeah, great start for the Sheffield boys. You know, most of theirs are first meeting tonight. And... um you know, to run Bellevue pretty close like that, I think it was a good job. Ipswich took the East Anglian bragging rights with a 47-43 win at Kings Lynn. We'll hear from Anders Rowe, star man for the Witches. We'll hear from Kings Lynn boss Peter Schroke. And we'll hear from Chris Louie, who got his cheeky away win to start the season. I'll let you get to the bar and let uh, Dale Elliott get you that point. Bar shut. Unbelievable. I'm joined throughout this podcast by Eurosport's Dave Rowe, who indeed was present at that meeting at the Adrian Flux Arena. We'll also look ahead to some of the upcoming action later this week as well. We'll hear from the Peterborough boss, Rob Lyon. We'll also hear from Wolf Stars, Brock Nickel and Luke Becker. And somebody combining tree surgery with riding speedway is Joe Lawler. He's on the way too. No breaks, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome along then. So Speedway is back and back on the telly as well. The Eurosport new deal that's been waiting on ice for the last year, finally underway as well. And I think people loving seeing British Speedway on the TV and a thrilling match that was broadcast last night to get things started as well. Somebody who was also part of that coverage was Dave Rowe, who was at Kings Lynn, and he joins us to look back on all the action and preview some of the upcoming stuff as well. Um, Hi, Dave. Hi Ian, how are we doing? Good to be here. Yeah, glad that you're with us. You're, you're joining us. Uh, this who says that Speedway's not uh, not showbiz? You're joining us from your hotel in Kings Lynn following that match uh, last night at the point of talking, and uh, we'll talk about that in in a bit more detail. But just generally, it must be great to having been to all these practices and stuff that you've been at over the last four or five weeks or so to finally see some some competitive action. Uh, absolutely, it's the the practice sessions, obviously, but before that, the the lengthy lockdowns, the winter was longer than ever. And to actually get back and, again, to see supporters in stadiums, obviously crowds at, uh, well, all three venues last night. Unfortunately, Wolverhampton had problems and only, only did the two races. But, uh, yeah, both Bellevue and, and, and Kings Lynn, to see people there, the effect it has. I noticed in, um, in Poland over the weekend, that was their first weekend when they had crowds back. It definitely raises the level. The riders really react to it, and we'd we lost it for too long, so it's fantastic to have it back. And generally, looking at the, the two meetings last night that, that uh, went ahead, uh, you had problems, of course, at Kingsland. We'll touch on very soon with, with the weather, but there were a few jitters around, and I think it was quite evident generally that the riders that have had that um, meaningful competitive experience in Poland uh, are certainly a little bit more, as they say, dialed in than perhaps uh, the ones that have just had the practice sessions so far. Yes, quite clearly, um, Jack Holder was was sensational last night at, at Bellevue, and it's, it's no surprise given what he's been doing with um, with Torin in the extra league. So it's no no surprise at all to me he could be in for a very big season indeed. He's could, could be one of the, will be, I think, one of the uh, Premiership's very top riders. And yes, absolutely right. It's quite clear that riders who have been racing 
have the edge here. Racing is, is always better than practice, quite clearly. I recall going to um, going to Scunthorpe uh, at the end of August last year for a, a National League uh, Challenge match. Um, and in heat one of that meeting, the two youngsters who were uh, Dan Thompson and Jordan Palin, they raced clear in heat one of Simon Lambert and Connor Mountain. Now, no disrespect, but the two lads I've just mentioned there are more experienced by a long way, Simon Lambert and Connor Mountain. And the two youngsters just absolutely raw clear in heat one. And that was because they'd been doing youth meetings. They'd been practicing. They'd been on track much more often, um, whereas the likes of Lambert and Mountain in that meeting needed a bit of time to get up to speed. That's that's what you're going to see, I think, for the next couple of weeks. Those who have been on track regularly, especially racing regularly, I think they've got a massive advantage. Last night there was our first opportunity to see the new coverage with Eurosport, which is something that's been worked away on for a very long time now, because of course it should have started uh, a year ago. Abby Stevens, the host, she was joined on the centre green with uh, Scott Nichols, Kelvin and Nigel commentating. And you're involved as well, Dave, because you're reporting from the other meeting. Uh, the main focus, of course, was the Bellevue match last night. You were at Kings Lynn giving us updates from there. So uh, great to get that started. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the actual uh, the, the plan for the coverage was, of course, course actually put in place probably about 15 months ago um everything was arranged for the 2020 season then of course it all got uh, put on ice and it uh, obviously then got announced in the last week or so as to exactly how things were going to work i obviously uh, think it's a, an excellent idea to have the coverage from other meetings other than just the the live match i think when you look at the premiership fixture list the majority of mondays which of course is the major tv night there are going to be two premiership matches there's a couple that have got three meetings on but the majority have two and i think for the the viewers experience to be able to to feel that that, that so we're across everything happening so if there's something really dramatic or sensational happening at the meeting that uh, eurosport are not covering fully live we are there. We've got pictures. Obviously, I know um, last night we, we played in a clip of, of Jason Crump coming down in Heat 5. It's all a learning curve for us all because it's something completely different. There were there were three of us as part of the team at Kings Lynn that were working remotely and obviously in contact with, with Bellevue. First time it's been done really in that format in Speedway and uh, really looking forward to seeing how it grows as the weeks go on. And looking at social media, there's a bit of confusion, I think, one or two fans suggesting that the coverage is going to be a little bit more occasional, which is not the case. Monday night is Speedway night going through the season more often than not, isn't it? Absolutely. The the deal, as I understand it, is for uh, something for this season for 18 meetings, which is the same as, as would have taken place in the previous uh, TV deal with, with BT Sport. Now, obviously, with the, the late start to the the season, that, that will give you fairly regular Monday meetings. Monday will be the regular night once again. There, there was talk... Um, at one stage, there might be the odd Thursday. So I don't think that's out of the question, depending on how the, the fixture list changes. But but generally, Monday night will be Speedway night. There's a couple of gaps in the, in the list. Um, Eurosport are very much involved with things like the Olympics, a couple of the major tennis tournaments. They will be the Mondays that probably sit out. But you're going to see the same amount of domestic racing as we've always had, and generally Monday nights. And as I say, on those Mondays, when there's more than one fixture, we'll have it all covered. Let's turn our attention then to that first fixture then at the National Speedway Stadium. It finished Bellevue Aces 47, Sheffield Tigers 43. You couldn't really ask for a better start to the season. Uh, for a match on TV, particularly all things considered, the one that goes down to the very last heat, Dave. That's what we want, isn't it? That excitement going all the way to the wire. 
Well, I've definitely found the uh, heard the excitement, I should say. Um, I couldn't see the footage from Bellevue, but I could certainly hear Nigel and Kelvin. Um, and when and when Nigel and Kelvin are on the go, you know, you know, it's exciting uh, <laughs> quite clearly. And the, the Bellevue racetrack always delivers. You will not see a poor meeting at Bellevue, even if you see a meeting where Bellevue are, are well clear uh, with, with a big lead. You'll still see some great racing. The, the fact they had a close meeting and the great racing uh, was terrific. Great for TV for the opening night and uh, to go to a last heat decider. And then you get the story with, with Dan Bewley, who's al- has also been doing superbly well with Roslav in Poland. He beat Bartosz Marslik uh, at the weekend um, when he team rode with uh, Magic Janowski. So for, for Bewley to win 8-15 over an absolutely flying Jack Holder, what a great way to start. Well, let's hear from Jack Holder. He was the star man of the meeting. He got 19 points. Of course, Sheffield were operating uh, rider replacement for Adam Ellis, who uh, wasn't allowed to make the journey over from Poland. We'll mention that in a sec. But here's what Jack Holder had to say to Nigel Pearson. 19 points. Not too shabby. Yeah, nah, it was good, mate. Um, no, awesome to be back in, in the UK racing. You know, we missed out last year, which was uh, you know, a massive downer. But, um, yeah, great start for the Sheffield boys, you know, that's their for at most of their uh, first meeting tonight, and um, you know to run Bellevue pretty close like that. I think it was a good job. Yeah, and a really competitive meeting, and, and a good start for the Eurosport coverage mm. for five years in the UK as well. Yeah, um, you know I didn't really watch that many races because you know I was out a fair bit. Um, but yeah, I know the scores were tight, and you know hopefully, yeah, you know as I said, everyone's been missing Speedway for a while, and hopefully. Um, we put on a good show for him. Put some good races. Three rides on the trot at the end there, Jack, but you're a fit young lad. Of course. Not even puffing. <laughs> but you took it quite gladly. When Steady offered you the tactical sub, you, you quite gladly took it. Off gate four too, I can't believe it. <laughs> nah, nah, it was good, mate. Um, you know, me and Sedgy team rode, you know, the best we could and, you know, we got that fire one we needed and, yeah, it was, I don't, was it a last heat decider or not? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we couldn't get it done, but always next time. Yeah, you got a consolation point as well. Um, and now the outlook now for the rest of the season you, you must be relishing the prospect of a busier schedule now you've got Sheffield meetings obviously your, your, your meetings with Torren so it's uh, it's back to normal now really for you isn't it? Yeah pretty much mate um, you know it's been a long you know couple of months just living out in Poland wondering when England's going to start so I can you know you get sick of practicing believe it or not <laughs> um, but yeah now it's it's up and running and you know hopefully you know, it's just all about the travelling. You know, it's the, as you've seen, Adam Ellis, you know, he got stuck. So um, There's going to be some bumps in the road, isn't there? Yeah, hopefully not too many. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Well done, Jack. No worries. Thank you. There's Jack Holder, starman last night at Bellevue for the Sheffield Tigers, as they scoring 19 points, ripping up the extra leaguer. And also, it looks like he's a man on a mission over here as well, Dave. Yeah, he's a rider who's you've expected this from for for a couple of years now. Of course, we previously saw him at um, at Pool in the Premiership, and you were just waiting for that for that big season. This, I think, could be the one. Um, we'd seen signs again in in Poland last year, but the way he has started this year in the extra league, he he really looks the part. He looks like he's ready to to make that big step up. And you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see him uh, pretty soon in the Grand Prix. Yeah, he certainly has a potential Grand Prix rider written all over it. As does Dan Bewley, actually. By the way, I think we are seeing a start of a new a new guard forming now, aren't we, for the for the future of Speedway? I think Dan's worked worked really hard. Obviously, he had to base himself in Poland last year as well. Had a really tough season uh, in the extra league. Got injured too, which didn't help. And then just at the very end of the season, when I think it was the uh, the third fourth place playoff in Poland, um, he jumped onto some equipment from from Ty Woffenden. And he showed what he can do. And I think 
those results probably convinced Ross Lab to invest even further in him. The link-up with Ty Wolfenden has continued into this year, and he is now part of a, I think, a very powerful Ross Lab side when um, when Wolfenden gets fit. When you look at what Gleb Chuganoff is doing as well in that team, um, they can have a, a big season. But the fact that Dan has committed to the UK once again with Bellevue is great news for Bellevue quite clearly, but it's great news for British Speedway too because he's a sensational young rider, exciting talent, and he's only on the up- upward curve. He mentioned Dan Bewley. His bikes do look remarkably similar to those of Ty Wolfenden's now, and they are working very closely, sharing sponsors, sharing mechanics, I believe, as well. And similarly with, with Robert Lambert, too, all sharing their knowledge, these upcoming Brits who are really the future of British Speedway, um, clubbing together can only be a good thing. Yeah, obviously it helps with, with Wolfenden and, and Bewley being part of the, the same club. Robert obviously is with uh, is with Torren. Um, but it's quite clear, and, and it's, it's been quite clear with, with Ty Wolfenden for, for a number of years, and I've had uh, dealings obviously within the, the GB camp, and, the, and that when, when a rider of the quality of Ty Wolfenden can see the genuine talent from the youngsters and their genuine will to succeed themselves and the way they're approaching it, that's when the more experienced rider is going to get more involved in helping. And for Dan Bewley to have direct support from from Ty uh, within within Roslav and what Robert Lambert has done for himself and winning the European Championship last year and uh, and now really establishing himself over there, it's looking brighter than it has done for a number of years. That we've got we've got three riders who are winning races and looking like they really belong in extra league. Now I know extra league is is not top of the agenda as far as the UK is concerned, as far as we're watching our own leagues. But to have our have those three performing potentially on the world stage is really exciting for years to come. Yeah, and it's practicing against that level of rider as well, isn't it? You know, when you're coming up against Bartosz Schmarschlik and uh, Emil Saifudinov and, and all these kind of riders that you're going to have to face. If you're going to get anywhere in the GP, you need to have that practice. And that's how you get that practice is by riding in Poland. And that is why it's so important, along with the cash. Yeah, and the Grand Prix can absolutely spit you out if uh, if you're not ready for it. If you go in and it uh, it doesn't work out, and 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 Ty Wolfenden would say that himself from his first year when he wasn't really ready, but he got himself uh, rebuilt, refocused, and and then came then came back and won it. So you have to be there at the right time, but. Um, realistically, if you're going to perform in the Grand Prix, then you're going to have to be performing in the in the Polish Extra League because those are the guys you are testing yourself out. You look at people like Artem Laguta, the speed they carry, um, and then you take it into a Grand Prix, and you've got probably three or four of those riders in every race. Let's uh, speak to another of those riders who's uh, been in action in Poland but um, is uh, making that jet set trip over, um, hopefully without any particular issues uh, as we go through this season. And that's Brady Kurtz, who uh, was in that final heat, the last heat decider. Um, and uh, he's been speaking to Nigel Pearson. On the British Speedway podcast in the Bellevue pitch, straight after a last heat decider, Brady Kurtz, quite a meeting that. Good one. Yeah, it's good for, good for Bellevue to get a win, that's for sure. We were struggling for a while and uh, all the boys chipped in and we, we got there in the end, which is the most important. So good start to the season and I'm looking forward to the rest of it getting going. For your own performance, you won one race by the length of a straight, but it was tough for you out there. It was a tough night, tough opposition. Yeah, Sheffield are a really good team. They've got some they've got some fast guys. Jack was on fire and he's hard to catch once he gets in front. And Terrible starts cost me the most, really. I'm not, I have no idea what, what the problem is, if it's the... The, the surface or the tyres we're using now or what but it was it was horrendous and um, when I got in front I was like really quick I was I had speed in the bike all night just don't really know what was going wrong but if I could sort that out we'll be right yeah now I, I just said to Jack Holder a few moments ago you boys have been out in Poland driving now you've got Britain back how how good does that feel for you yeah I'm really happy about it I'm, I'm I've always been a 
supporter of British League and I couldn't wait for it to start again and I'm, I'm definitely happy to be here and be back living here as well which is a major a major part for me I, I definitely like like being being in England it's pretty much my home now so I'm, I'm happy about that and I'm happy just to be doing a bit more racing once a week in Poland or once not even once a week once every two weeks or whatever it's not not even close to enough and um, yeah I'm, I'm happy to be here and looking forward to the rest of it Thanks for joining us, Brady. No worries. Thanks, guys. That's Brady Kurtz there from the Bellevue Aces, who's uh, also uh, riding over in Poland as well. And interesting what he says, that, that even though despite riding in the extra league, that that's not enough racing for him. They need to be racing much more uh, regularly than that. And, of course, there are other leagues in Europe operating, Denmark, Sweden, and so on. But he's, he's chosen to come over here. And having exciting riders like him and Jack Holder is, 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 can only be a good thing for, for British Speedway in general. Yeah, Brady Kurtz is a rider I like. Another one that we've been waiting for him to take that that next step, maybe even that final step forward. I think the move to, to Bellevue will do him good. He had a tough year last year because he was part of the um, the Legendo squad and then actually ended up effectively losing his place to fellow countryman Jamin Lindsay, who was going really well. So Brady's had to, to drop down for the time being in, in Poland. But always committed to, to UK racing. That that was clear when he came over at the back end of the season to race at Bellevue in the Behind Closed Doors um, streamed events. And he made it quite clear then that, that, that the UK was a big commitment for him. Um, and that, that's really good. And, and, like, and like Jack Holder, he's definitely one to watch. And we did see that rustiness again, what we mentioned at the start, um, particularly, I think, well, both teams suffered from it. And Troy Batchelor finished with, with two points. You'd expect him to, to do better than that as the, as the season gets going. And some jitters as well in heat one with uh, Richie Worrell uh, going through the tapes on the very first uh, heat of uh, Speedway's big return. But these things are the sort of things that are, are, are going to improve as we go through the year. Funnily enough, we had exactly the same thing at King's Lynn, which we'll come on to shortly, but uh, actually in heat one of that meeting, Ty Proctor also went through the tapes, so it wasn't just at, uh, at Bellevue. But yeah, you mentioned Troy Batchelor, and, and, and certainly as far as Sheffield were concerned, to only go down by four points with the Adam Ellis situation, which I'm sure we'll touch on, and um, and Troy Batchelor scoring two points, and yet they only lost by four to a side that many fear are the favourites, Bellevue, then that's going to give them some encouragement, because Troy Batchelor again, had a, a really miserable time last year in Poland. But in 2019 with Swindon, he was absolutely brilliant. I've got no doubt at all that Troy Batchelor will sort things out very quickly indeed. And that will give Sheffield great hope for the future. And we mentioned that Adam Ellis thing. We'll talk about it now, in fact, because um, it was a late call. He'd ridden in Poland on the Sunday, uh, went to get his flight over. And because he'd previously tested positive for COVID earlier in the week, despite then later having a negative test, um, he he was um, not allowed to board the flight. And um, and that's that really. It's just the rules how they are in, in Poland. But these tests, they are being done regularly. And because they're being done regularly, it, it is a, an issue that teams are just going to have to cope with, isn't it? I think, unfortunately. It's going to be where we are for the time being, unfortunately. Um, I must admit, I'm a little bit confused as to what happened there, because obviously there, there was a positive test in the week and then a negative one so he rode in his meeting in in poland on sunday at uh, rabbits um and then he can't get on a flight because of a almost like a retrospectively they they they've gone back one test prior to stop him getting on the plane which 
which seems a little bit peculiar, um, but you are right. We are going to have to get used to it, especially with riders travelling. Um, the one issue is the, the, the testing itself. Um, I know regular tests are still being done, and certainly in a lot of places to actually get into the, the pits at venues, you have to have at least a, a negative lateral flow test. I, I had one myself prior to uh, prior to yesterday. Um, so the testing is the one thing, and, and then the, the, the travel itself is, is, is not as, as clear-cut as it, as it used to be. Obviously, flights are only just properly restarting for example um, a rider who'd been riding at Torum would, would normally just drive down the road to to Big Gosh early morning flight every day Big Gosh into Stansted but currently that flight is unavailable so well, it's not happening so you have to do a bit more forward planning as to airports you know you might have to go, go up to Gdansk or Poznan or whatever from from that sort of area um, it's going to be a flowing situation over the year. I think from British Speedway's point of view, we want these guys in our league quite clearly. They add plenty to it. We have to accept there's going to be certain occasions when they are just not quite available. And therefore, you know, we have to ensure the regulations. I'm sure we will. We allow for facilities to take place to make sure these meetings can happen and teams are not totally decimated because of something completely out of their control. Of course, earlier in the year, we didn't know what the restrictions were going to be like, what the world's going to look like. It's always changing. Do you think it would have been worth, or maybe even worth, even even now going forward, introducing a, sort of a number eight facility, a regular substitute for for a particular team, so you know who's going to take that place if one rider can't arrive at the last minute? It is definitely, or it would definitely have been an option. I've heard it uh, talked about in the past, even even before. It's been done on occasions too. But I guess the question is, at what level would you would you pitch that that replacement? Because with the best will in the world, if, if someone like uh, someone like Jack Holder is unavailable, there isn't a, a natural Jack Holder of his caliber replacement just waiting to be to be wheeled in. Um, now there are obviously Premiership quality riders who haven't got premiership team places. You look at someone like Richard Lawson, for instance, who could quite clearly slot in. Um, so as, I think as long as people like that are available to guest, which he would be because he's in a championship uh, team declaration, so there's no problem with that, as long as they aren't on the sidelines completely, um, then I think that'll be okay. I suspect the, the issue would be you just wouldn't be able to find six top-line riders standing by available to be number eights just as and when. So I think we have to just accept the guest situation as it is. Okay, so that was the first match that was screened on TV. Bellevue versus Sheffield. Bellevue getting the uh, the spoils. But of course, Sheffield will be very happy with um, saving that extra point, though. That point could uh, well come in handy at the, come the, the reckoning at the end of the season, couldn't it? Oh, that's a great point for Sheffield, no doubt about it. I'm sure because they were leading, and I've read um, some comments from Simon Stead afterwards, they wanted to go there and win quite clearly. But Bellevue is a tough place to go, and points on the road, when, especially when you're you're trying to finish in the top four, obviously, out of six to make the playoffs, but as high up as you can uh, could give you an advantage for the semi-finals. Points on the road are absolutely, uh, absolutely crucial, and they've got one straight away. So if you'd offered them that before the first meeting, I'm sure they would have taken it. And speaking of points on the road, next up, let's have a look at Kingslin versus Ipswich. This is a match that you were present for, uh, Dave, and uh, a lot of pre-chat about this. In fact, I think originating on the first episode of our podcast series when Chris Louie uh, really started to dangle the carrot and uh, go fishing with uh, with Dale Allett on on uh, the fact that he, he fancied a cheeky away win. He got the away win, but not quite as uh, as, as comfortable as he would have liked. Yes, um, quite remarkable, really. Um, they, they, they talked, as you say, a lot in the media going forward. 
And Chris's talk and, and Richie Hawkins' talk was clearly based around the fact that uh, at that stage they had Nikolai Clint in their team um, and they had Jordan Stewart in their team. And the fact that Nikolai now isn't going to be uh, competing for Ipswich uh, and the fact that, um, that that Jordan Stewart wasn't available for, for Monday night, I think most, most observers, most neutral observers, would have expected a Kingsland victory in that meeting. Um, it didn't happen and it was a classic case of a home team, I think, being... Um, confused or, or certainly racing in unfamiliar conditions. Buster Chapman did an outstanding job there to get that meeting on after we had a mega downpour at about three o'clock, but that was no problem because the track just dried out. But then when it poured down again about quarter past six, then he had to do some real work to, to make sure the meeting went ahead. We went ahead at about, about 8.15, but the key was, and you've seen it so often, when the track conditions are somewhat unusual, they were perfectly raceable, but unusual, it's always an advantage for the away team. That's what happened. Um, Ipswich went 16 points in front after heat nine, so the meeting was done and dusted. And then as the track improved or certainly became more normal as far as Kings Lynn were concerned, that's when they came back late on and eventually restricted um, Ipswich to three points from the meeting rather than four. So, so Kings Lynn will take some encouragement from the likes of Craig Cook and Eric Riss later on. But again, if you'd offered Ipswich three points before that meeting, I'm sure they'd have taken them. Well, one of the star men last night for Ipswich was Anders Rowe, and he's been chatting to Ryan Guest. Well, Anders Rowe, Premiership debut this evening for Ipswich, 12 plus 2, standout rider of the night, match-winning performance. Uh, Got to be delighted. Uh, yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, I was not what I was expecting, if I'm honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I was just just having fun, really, and obviously my dad's a mechanic, and we're just having fun on the way and stuff and just, just make it fun, and that's how I work best, and it proved that tonight, and... When it was it started raining before, I knew that yeah we're into some big points here tonight because I love I love riding in that sort of conditions and when the other boys don't like it, I sort of thrive in that and let's go for it and let's get on with it and let's, let's race and yeah I showed that tonight and made some made some really good starts. I wasn't expecting I changed a couple of things in the winter and um, yeah on the on the start on the clutch side and wow <laughs> yeah and just I'm riding you wouldn't think it that engine that I rode tonight is. Um, the one that I started my, um, I was raced at Somerset and uh, yeah, I've never changed it and just improved myself, so yeah. Yeah, you've been saying in the build-up to this season, obviously all the experience you've been picking up abroad, both on and off the track, um, been saying how much you thought it would develop you. Yeah, it's only one meeting, you've got to keep your feet on the ground, but what a way to start the season. Yeah, definitely, um, I like to keep my feet on the ground and keep myself level because uh, one meeting you could be doing what I've done tonight and next meeting you might not be so um, yeah I'm being optimistic and um, yeah just having fun and just making it fun and I'm sure I'll get a couple of messages tonight from um, the clubs abroad um, so yeah we'll um, we'll see what happens and just keep me keep me on the keep me on flat ground as they say and uh, yeah just get on with it to the next meeting yeah from the team perspective um, disappointment in the end not to get all four league points that were available nevertheless got the away victory that you came here for yeah, definitely. Top man, top man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it's a shame that we didn't get the four league points, but um, we won by quite a bit, I think. And uh, yeah, we it just proved tonight we weren't a full strength team. And watch out when we are a full strength team because um, yeah, I think we're we're quite the underdogs, especially. Um, so we'll just see what happens. And we've still got um, Jake Allen and Jordan Stewart to come in the team. So uh, yeah, we just see what happens and yeah, just go with the flow. Landers, congratulations on an unforgettable Premiership debut. Thank you very much.
It's Anders Rowe, Starman yesterday for the Ipswich Witches. Uh, our Starman on this podcast is Dave Rowe. Uh, any relation, Dave? <laughs> I'm afraid not. That would have been, would have been quite good if, if he was, judging by how he rode. But yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. A real eye-opener. Eye um, I know for a long time he'd been badgering Alan Rossiter for a chance at, um, at Swindon, and he would have had that had Swindon gone to the tapes um, last season. But the, the progress he's made... Um, since really the back end of 2019 is quite clear. Um, he rode in a, um, a test match at Kings then, ironically, in the wet uh, towards the back end of that season and, and, and did well. Um, clearly made use of last year when he was riding out and went out to live in Poland for three for, for three months and uh, clearly made plenty of progress there too. And it was all there for all to see last night. It was uh, the style he had, the way he attacked the track, uh, attacked a, a grippy track and just, look, again, looked like he totally belonged in that league. I tell you what, he was so good that I even gave him an extra ride during that meeting um, because he just <laughs> seemed to keep on winning. Um, and uh, Richie was obviously switching reserves to get the best use out of things. But it just seemed felt like every time he went out on track, he was going to, particularly early on, he was going to beat one of the uh, the Kings Lynn top riders. And that's extraordinary for a reserve making his premiership debut. So again, most definitely one to watch. And I'm sure that um, I'm sure that Redcar in the championship will be very pleased with what they're seeing there. Yeah, and I say, especially being at reserve, that's going to be a, a trump card for uh, for Ipswich, especially considering that their team's not fully present yet, um, that they can use him so much through the course of a meeting if he's on that kind of form. Yeah, I think you have to, you, you look at the Ipswich team and I think the way um, Nikolai Clint has been riding in the last couple of years and again has started this season, you have to say that that's a big blow to lose Nikolai Clinton. That's with all respect to, to Jay Curran, who had a really good season with them a couple of years ago. Um, but if they were concerned about a slight shortfall there, well, maybe Anders Rowe will, will pick it up at, at reserve, or if he moves into the top five, somebody else will move down. I know it's only one meeting. There's a heck of a long way to go, and that was one meeting in somewhat unusual conditions. But everything about him in that meeting looked absolutely right, and he's, he's in for a big year, I think. And for Kings Lynn, as you mentioned, it was uh, it was a slow start that cost them because they got going three five ones on the bounce in the final three heats that really closed the gap in that scoreline. But prior to that, um, Ipswich were romping away with it after a, after a great start. Yeah, Ipswich were fast skating uh, that made the difference in the first eight heats. But they also they also rode the track very well indeed. Particularly their their first half laps, they made good decisive moves in the right places. And you had the feeling that that, that Kings then were struggling for setup. They'd had their press day the previous week, obviously in completely different conditions. And for example, Craig Cook in his first two rides really struggled was was some way adrift. And then in his last three. He was back to the Craig Cook that, that, that we all know. So they will take something from the closing stages if they think that the way they rode in the last four or five heats was in conditions more more what they'd normally expect, then that's that's decent for them. But um, losing a local derby like that and, and, and getting off such a bad start is it obviously is nothing like what they expected. And that will probably be their overriding emotion. Well, the team boss, Peter Schroke, has been speaking to Ryan Guest. He feels that although they got beat, he feels perhaps they got the moral victory in stopping Ipswich taking all of the points after that slow start cost them. That's how I feel. I feel like they went away with nothing at the end, you know, so I think even they got something. But, it, you know, that extra point was important to me, sort of thing, because that could make all the difference at the end. You know, it's, uh, they, um, you know they, they woke up to the party a little bit earlier than we did. You know, especially from the gating point of view, and then it was a lottery out there because the track was quite difficult at first. But then it sort of started. You know, the boys started sort of finding the right setups and one thing another. And uh, you know, we got there at the end. So um, yeah, I'm quite pleased overall. 
Like you say, it's a, it's a strange, strange feeling, strange atmosphere at the end of it because Ipswich were more or less in control throughout, dominated the fixture, but those three five ones to round the meeting off make it seem much closer than it was. But like you say, so many positives Kingsling can take for the rest of the season. It was, you know, and then we had a little bit of... <laughs> we were unlucky with Louis being in front and uh, having a puncher, you know, sort of thing. It's just... It's, we, we, I think we had everything tonight you could get, you know, but overall... You know, is um, you know that's why you know I put uh, Cookie and and uh, Eric back into Heat 15 because I need three Heat leaders, you know, who who are going to do the business for me and uh, the confidence is quite high with those three now. Thomas, I knew he was he was good anyway. So uh, you know, overall, uh, it's been a, it's been a fabulous night for for Speedway, I think. Yeah, after all the the build up, after everything everyone's gone through over the past 12, 18 months or so, not just to have live Speedway to have. Uh, spectators back in as well it, it has been a, a night that will be remembered in the end I would like to think so because it was everybody was sitting on tender hooks you know because Covid is obviously here and you know and it's still here and uh, to be able to do what we're doing you know I think is a godsend really you know and and, um, and I think everybody is um, you know for everybody to come out and support what we're doing it just shows you that Speedway you know has got a place in this world you know sort of thing and and I feel very strongly about it and you know especially British Speedway you know is I think with all the youngsters what we got and one thing or another it is on the up you know sort of thing so we're not where Poland is but Poland is Poland we're in England and uh, you know overall I think we 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 going forward Dave, what, what do you think about what Peter's saying there? He's uh, suggesting, of course, that um, they've gained a point almost by not getting beat too heavily. Um, but surely the the three points is the, is the main difference that uh, Ipswich have gone away with. I, I understand what, what Peter's saying, and I think he, he makes a very, very important point there at the end of that piece, talking about the efforts that everyone has, has gone through to, to get the season up and running, despite the fact that we've still got restrictions going on and you know hopefully continuing to be eased gradually. So brilliant job to, to get it on and to get fans in stadiums. And I understand where he's coming from regarding the, um, the the points from the meeting. And it's his job as Kingsland team manager to talk up the positives of his team. The, the bottom line is Kingsland scored zero points last night and Ipswich scored three. Um, they're taking the positive that Ipswich didn't get four. Um, I think you would be happier, obviously, if you were an away team making a late comeback with three five ones on the bounce at the end to snatch an away point, to put a point on the board. I think um, the fact that Ipswich, Ipswich took a three-point advantage in the league table over Kings Lynn could still be really significant. I understand that it wasn't four, so that's effectively a point gained if you look at it that way. But look at the result on that night. Ipswich got three points. Kingsland have got to take what they did in those last three heats uh, and the form of, of Cook and Riss and, and Jorgensen throughout. And Louis Kerr would have scored more, but, but for that puncture as well. There were things for them to, to be optimistic about. There's no, no question about that. But that bottom line that Kingsland scored zero and Ipswich scored three, that's a big result on opening night. I think Chris Louis would rather have had the four points too, if it were possible. He's been speaking to Ryan Guest. Yeah, obviously we've got to hope that that doesn't make all the difference in the uh, run into the playoffs and things. But, um, you know, cracking performance from the lads. They hit the ground running right from the off. They wanted it. Um, yeah, I agree that we uh, seem to lose focus, take a foot off the gas, the run in for, for all of the points. And, you know, that's disappointing, but I'm not taking anything away from the lads. Every, every single one of them. Um, you know, did their job, stuck to the task, battled back when they had bad rides, so uh, very happy. 
Yeah, a four-point victory in the end probably doesn't uh, uh, sum up the meeting entirely with how much dominance and control you had, uh, particularly in that mid-stage of the meeting. Yeah, that's right. You know, up to that point, um, obviously where we couldn't be beaten on the night, we we, we did dominate, and I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, you know, we've been through it. Disappointing not to take all four points, but hey, it's uh, first meeting away from home, local derby against the old rivals, Kingsley, and I'll take the win. Yeah, I think it's fair to say the Anders Rowe standout rider of the night as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been a strange old winter with, with obviously movement between clubs and, and you know, the rules and, and the points limit and everything. And, uh, you know, me and Richie worked hard studying what we had and what we could have and what we should do. And um, the decision for Anders was made in seconds, not even minutes. So uh, I think, you know, justified in seeing the way he rode tonight. It was superb. You say bragging rights, though, uh, takes you in with, with a bit of confidence into your first home meeting on Thursday as well? Yeah, of course. You know, all the lads can go into it knowing they've, they've started with a win, and that's important. Um, you know, we, we'll go into it uh, with a couple of riders that won't have got the racing under their belt. Obviously, you know, with Bellevue having ridden tonight um, and, and fought back for a good win, obviously, at home. I haven't seen anything from it, but I, I heard it was quite exciting. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough, a tough night. We're not going to come away from here thinking, you know, oh, it's, we've got an away win. That's it. We'll, we'll win. Um, I think every meeting's going to be tough this year. I'll let you get to the bar and let uh, Dale Elliott get you that point. Bar shut. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Thank you. Excellent, excellent way to finish things. Um, after all that, the bar was shut. Unbelievable. Yes, uh, that was probably about the only the only bad news for Fripp Switch apart from those um, those final few heats. Again, interesting comments from from Chris Louis. Um, again, if you'd offered him the three points beforehand, he would definitely have taken them. He would have just have seen a bit a bit frustrated that that his team either took their foot off the pedal or Kingsland just came good at the end. I must mention Heat 15 because um, it was uh, a Kingsland 5-1 and that was always going to be the case. But Jason Crump spun it on the third bend, um, third and fourth bends, came down and, and Danny King laid the bike down superbly. So we had... We had both uh, Ipswich riders on the track on the deck in that heat 15. Thankfully, they they both walked away, so that's good. Um, yeah, as far as Ipswich are, are concerned, if they are serious about being champions, grand finalists, or whatever, then that loss of a point last night should not make a big difference. They got three points on the board away from home, so if they don't do silly things, losing home matches, then it shouldn't make a difference. But what what Chris and Richie and so on will, will be fully aware of, if you're in a playoff situation, a two-legged aggregate tie, if you go into a meeting where you establish a big advantage you cannot take your foot off the gas you cannot allow your opponents back into the meeting you've got to drive home the advantage so that's something for them to put in their memory bank if you like going forward I think as far as last night is concerned I don't think they'll be too upset in the end but they've got a really interesting home match to come against Bellevue on Thursday yeah, we'll look ahead to that in just a moment. Um, just one final point on Ipswich. been a lot of chat about um, Jason Crump, of course, making a comeback to British Speedway. That was supposed to happen last year. Not just with Ipswich, but he's going to be riding with Plymouth as well. And he would have been riding tonight, but that match is off, of course, this evening at the time of recording on the Tuesday. Um, but uh, what did you make of the comeback of Jason Crump? I wasn't surprised by what I saw because I saw Jason ride at Bellevue um, last year in the behind-closed-doors meetings. There's no doubt he's going to be competitive. There's also no doubt that he's not the the out-and-out number one maximum man he was almost every meeting, 15, 16, whatever it was years ago, when he absolutely dominated match after match in the league. That That's not where he is now at the in the age of 45, mid-40s. 
But what he will be is a really competitive force, a good influence in the Ipswich camp, and he's still got it big time on a bike. There was there was last night there were close situations. He wasn't afraid to get into shoulder combat. The very first bend of heat one against Lewis Bridger, the elbows were flying and he was there. He was close. He came off battling with, with Louis Kerr, who drove down the inside. There is no doubt he's taking it seriously and he will certainly he'll beat good riders and, and he will do well for Ipswich, I'm sure of that. Still to come then on No Breaks, No Fear, we'll have a look ahead to some of the other fixtures happening later this week. We'll speak to Rob Lyon ahead of Peterborough getting their campaign underway as they visit Olerton and the Sheffield Tigers. At the end of the day, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to try and win things for Peterborough. There's a history at Monmore Green of successful Americans and the next couple are Brock Nicholl and Luke Becker. We'll hear from them. We'll also hear from Edinburgh's Joe Lawler very soon. No brakes, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back. Right now we're going to turn our attention to some of the upcoming fixtures over the course of the next week in British Speedway. There's a lot going on. We've seen some of the sides already, um, particularly Ipswich versus Bellevue, which is next in the Premiership for those two sides. Uh, seen them already in action. And, and Dave, based on, on what we know already, um, Ipswich always usually have quite a bit of home advantage around Foxhall, don't they? Yeah, we're hoping, or Ipswich are certainly hoping they'll be at full strength for, for that meeting on Thursday. I spoke to Chris Louie um, last night. They're optimistic that the, the Australian boys, uh, Jake Allen and Jordan Stewart, uh, should be in the side for that one. Um, obviously, there are some changes to the Ipswich side of, it, of a couple of years ago, but the experience of, of Danny King, particularly as captain, uh, as long as they get dry conditions, fingers crossed, and normal normal track conditions, will certainly play in their advantage. Um, and I think it will be uh, interesting to see how this Bellevue team performs on the road um couple of a uh, couple of times in recent years Bellevue have have gone away and, and not quite done what you'd expect of them so I'm sure that Mark Lemon will be keen to see um to, to make sure that they they keep the ball, ball rolling both both home and away I think it's a really interesting meeting that one it's um it's quite hard to call and although Ipswich started with a with an away win on, on Monday night um I get the feeling that one could be quite close on Thursday the other match on Thursday is going to be at Ollerton Sheffield opening their premiership account against Peterborough and that'll be Peter Peterborough's very first match of this season as well. A very experienced lineup, shall we say, that Peterborough are offering with the likes of Scott Nichols. They've also got Hans Anderson, Chris Harris in their lineup as well. A lot of experience in British Speedway, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Obviously, the the average age of that team, you can't get away from it. There's, I think, there's four riders who are over 40, plus plus Chris Harris who's 38. That's a stat. That's there. That's there. You can't change that. Um, and therefore, naturally, the majority of those riders are not the forces they were ten years ago. That statistic. Hans Anderson was a, was a Grand Prix winner. Scott Nichols, Chris Harris were Grand Prix regulars. Bianca Pedersen was winning uh, winning the old Grand Prix as well. So, and that's not the level they're at now. But what they've put together is a really solid team of riders with Premiership, top league know-how. Um, who, as long as their heads are right, their attitudes right, and I'm sure it will be, um, if they, if and when they click on the same night, they will certainly surprise a few teams. Whether it will be at, at Sheffield on Thursday, who knows? We're waiting again to find out Sheffield's team situation, particularly with with Adam Ellis. But I'm sure there will be nights when that Peterborough team will surprise people. And Jordan Palin, one of the exciting upcoming youngsters in British Speedway, and to be in and around all of that experience, surely is is, is only going to benefit him as well. 
that's a rider who I'm really excited about seeing in the the top flight this year. It was an interesting pick by uh, by Rob Lyon because um, he's actually on the one star list. You can have a four star rider at reserve in the in the Premiership. He's on the one star list purely based on his lack of uh, lack of league experience, but that hasn't um, stopped Peterborough from from making that pick. And he's got all the talent. We saw it in the youth. We saw it uh, last year as well at times uh, in um, under 19 events and so on. He's beginning to gain experience on the continent. So as long as he's not pushed too soon and expectations are not too high too soon, and as long as he doesn't let his head go down, because there will be tough matches for him quite clearly in the, in the Premiership against very good riders. I'm sure with someone like Rob Lyon there to guide in the pits and the experience, if he takes on board what people like Scott and Chris are saying to him from the more experienced riders, then he's got a bright future and it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on in the Premiership. Well, we can hear from the um, Peterborough team boss now, Rob Lyon. He's been speaking to Nigel Pearson. You've done well as a team manager, particularly in the Premier League days at Kings Lynn in the second division as, as is. Um, and you had a spell as Great Britain manager as well. You've actually managed your country. So... Is there a sense of pride looking back at your career as a manager so far? Yeah, there's, there is, without a doubt. Um, no, it's very much so. It's uh, something that you can be proud of uh, as you go forward. But I think there's a lot of, for, for me, there's still some uh, some targets and uh, aims that I want to fulfil in Speedway, and uh, hence why I'm stood here today talking to you, really. And um, it's, it's yeah. I'd, I'd like to think we can have some success at Peterborough, and it's nice to try and do something at somewhere else rather than just one track. And the opportunity arose to come here, and uh, it's up the road for me, so it's all fitted nicely. So yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can bring some more success back to Peterborough. It's been a while since they've won anything, I believe. So yeah, we'll see how we go. Rob, I've got to ask the question. Outsiders looking in would say, well, hang on a minute. There's two rivals in the Premiership here, Kingsland and Peterborough that are owned by the same man in, in Keith Chapman. Uh, now, just explain to us how the clubs run themselves, how they're independent, and, and the rivalry, certainly between the fans in particular, is still still live, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's in some ways it's a, it's a positive in that you, know, you can control uh, both tracks with, with one promotion in, in reality. Um, but on, on the sort of the flip side of that, you're right, the rivalry between the fans and, and obviously you have uh, conflict between uh, you know officials and stuff like that so it can be tricky but I think overall it's it's not a bad thing um, obviously from my point of view I concentrate on what I do and what my job is and that's to, to manage this team and uh, you know but there are people in, in the sort of the structure of, of the um, promotions if you like that help out and um, I think it'll work fine. And will it be a strange feeling for Rob Lyon to face Kings Lynn Stars? It certainly will, but at the end of the day, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to try and win things for Peterborough. Um, I had a lot of fond memories at Kings Lynn, obviously, but, um, and my family are Kings Lynn supporters, which is, uh, is going to make it tricky. But my job is here to, to do well for Peterborough, to do the job for Peterborough, and that's what I'm focused on. And that includes, obviously, unfortunately, for Kings Lynn fans, that includes trying to beat Peter Kings Lynn home and away. So, uh, you know, it, it won't make any difference to me whether it's Wolverhampton or Kings Lynn on the night. It's all about it's all about what I can do for Peterborough. So, when you turn up at the Adrian Flux Arena or Stars go to the showground, you're going to be absolutely determined to put one over your former club. Indeed, I am. Indeed, I am. As as I would be if I go to Sheffield or Bellevue, it won't make any difference to me in that respect. 
like I say, I'm here to do a job and hopefully I can do it to the best of my ability and bring some success to Peterborough. How do you reflect on your time as Great Britain manager, Rob? Because I've said this to Alan Rossiter, you know, whatever happens in life from now on in for yourself, for Roscoe, you can, it can never be taken away from you that you'll lead your country. It's a proud time, it's a proud moment for me to be, uh, to be offered the position. And uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a strange time. We had some great times and great moments and, you know, certainly qualifying for the World Cup at King's Lynn and, and, and nearly getting a medal in Denmark, which hadn't been done for quite a while at that time. You know, promoting some of the kids. It was great. It was a good time. Um, frustrating as well, um, because I could have continued in 2011 and chose not to. I had some sort of some disagreements with the, the BSBA and uh, of how it was run, and uh, which was a, a shame because if we could have built on what we achieved in those two years, it would have been probably even better than that. But that's the way it is. That's life, and that's how things work out sometimes. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's a it's a proud proud honour, a proud moment to, for anyone to to lead their country. So um, it it will always be with me, and and yeah, you never know. One day it might happen again. Um, but it's um, we had some success with it, limited as it was, but it was it was good. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Great to see you as always. Thank you. Cheers, Nigel. Yeah, Rob Lyon, a key face and figure in Speedway in years gone by and great to have him back involved again and, and at the top level as well, managing uh, Peterborough. It's brilliant news to have Rob Lyon back as as team manager. He's always kept um, in touch with the sport. He's been involved in the, the some of the youth progression uh, systems over the last couple of years while stepping away from active day-to-day management. His record at Kings Lynn, especially at championship level, was incredible uh, back in the mid-2000s. Um, he was also, of course, in charge when they stepped back up uh, around a decade ago and they had some, some good years there. Very, very, very astute team manager, knows the scene, um, is very serious about his research and, and, and tactical awareness. Um, it's definitely going to be um, a boost to have him back, certainly a boost for for, for Peterborough and yes it's interesting comments he made and there's, there's certainly a, a lot of people would say it's a shame he didn't carry on with, with, with GB for at least a couple more years having put some some building blocks in place there but there were obviously reasons why why that didn't happen but we certainly need people like Rob Lyon in team management and I think his presence at Peterborough can only be a bonus for them. Good luck to the Peterborough Panthers. They kick off their Premiership campaign with a trip to Ollerton Stadium on Thursday. Sheffield Tigers versus Peterborough Panthers. Right now, let's turn our attention to the Championship and to the Edinburgh Monarchs, who line up with another strong side this season, another team that are widely fancied to have a decent year in 2021. One of their recent recruits is Joe Lawler, who will also be riding for the Leicester Cubs in the National Development League. He's been chatting to Nigel Pearson. This interview starts chatting about Speedway and ends with Nigel trying to get a quote for some trees chopped down. Here he is. Joe, Edinburgh in the Championship. Um, how did you feel when you got the call to go up to Armadale? Um, I was buzzing with it, yeah, mate. Um, I sort of, when that happened with Red Car and they let me go, I sort of had a bit of demons in me and I was started to think that I'd fell out of love with the sport. But then a couple of days went by and I just thought, nah, this isn't, this isn't me, I'm not done. This is just, and it just, it's built a I don't know, it's brought a bit of, it's brought some fire out. I mean, I'm just eager than more than ever right now to to achieve what I know that I can. And Edinburgh, a very professional promotion, of course. They've been there a long time. Loyal supporters as well. It's a well-run club. You must be looking forward to racing for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been up to Edinburgh a few times. Um, Kevin Woolbert used to stay a lot at my house and I used to go to a lot of the meetings and everyone's, everyone's dead 
friendly and I've not got a bad word to say about them. So, yeah, it should be good. And um, they want to win titles, so that's what I want to do. And, of course, they have riders of the calibre of Sam Masters at the top end of the team. He's got international experience, classy rider. Yeah, definitely. I didn't actually know the team until they announced it. And when I seen it, I thought, that is, is a good-looking team. There's, there's, some strong, there's some strong teams, like I said, even in... It seems very even. There's a lot of. It doesn't seem like one team's going to dominate. It seems very, very even, and I think we've got a very good chance. And what about yourself in terms of how you've got through the last sort of 18 months? What you've been up to? How have you found it? Just working, mate. Just, just trying to earn some pennies and just, just getting by, training. Obviously, I've got got all the time in the world on my hands because I've got nothing else to be doing when I'm not at work. I'll be training or just chilling out, doing bits and bats in the bike and. The bikes were done before Christmas, so we've just been in there doing whatever we can to make the workshop better and a bit bit of a better place to to be in. So during lockdown, when it was dark and miserable and freezing cold, and you, you just occupied your time by going work, concentrating on your physical work, your training, and working on the bikes at the same time. Yeah, definitely, because it's like even just I don't really I, I train I train five six times a week, but I don't really need to because the job that I do, tree surgery, I'm carrying logs and climbing trees you know what I mean it, 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 it's a full body workout like so but I have been keeping fit and uh, I think I'm definitely fitter than ever in, in the brain as well and the bikes are 100% in the best condition they've ever been in so I should there should be no reason that I don't really push on this year tree surgery right interesting so is that in people at people's houses is it in yeah. public spaces like parks or some are different I, I, um, I was doing a job in Dovestones the other day in like a big farm on a farm and so uh, all sorts of different stuff I do a bit of everything really I do landscaping as well just I just I just I, I, I was working for a guy and he sacked me two weeks before Christmas but he was he weren't paying me right and he was treating me like I was depressed and uh, I just thought you know and he, and he got rid of me two weeks before Christmas and I just thought you know what I'll, I'll start up on my own I know how to cut a tree down I, I can I'm not brain dead, do you know what I mean? I don't think so anyway. <laughs> so I just started up on my own in the first job. I, I was on 50 quid a day for this guy and I was grafting my backside off for him. And um, the first job I'd done, I earned 850 quid in a day. Well, there's a difference. So that was like four weeks wage, do you know what I mean? In a day and I thought, why haven't I done this since I left school? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Fair play to you, fair play to you, well done. So um, what's it like trying to get a tree down then? What's, what's the tallest tree that you've brought down so well, far? Well, I don't... I say I'm a tree surgeon. I do, do I do cut them down, but when it comes to big ones, and you've got to do, you've got to lower the branches and stuff like with ropes, you know, instead of letting them crack. So if it's a job where I'm earning a few bob off it, I just get someone in, I've no a qualified climber, pay him 150 quid for the day, and I don't have to worry about breaking anyone's fences then. Because <laughs> we've got we back our house backs onto woods, yeah, and some of the trees are, are now hanging over. Grow, hanging over our back garden fence. So. Um, you know, you're you're probably about 80 miles from it from me, but you'll come and do it at May Trades, won't you? Yeah, 100 percent top man that's sorted yeah so uh, killing two birds with one stone there with uh, Nigel getting his trees chopped down and an interview with uh, with Joe Lawler as well um, Edinburgh one of the widely fancied teams Dave and um, 
they're always tricky, especially at home, aren't they? There's a lot of home advantage for, for the Edinburgh Monarchs. Very interesting fixture to start off with. Um, Edinburgh, very, very strong top three indeed with, with Sam Masters, who's out-and-out championship top man. Richie Worrell, who, of course, rode for, for Leicester a couple of years ago and really hooked that track up, knows how to get round. And a rider I like also is Josh Pickering, the third eight leader. Um, he's made great strides over the last two or three years. I think the question marks with Edinburgh a bit further down with a couple of uh, newcomers coming in. Uh, Joe Lawler, obviously, rode for Leicester in the championship uh, for, for a time in, in 19, um, including when they won the when they won the title in the grand final at Glasgow. He'll actually be riding for Leicester also in the uh, National Development League, so a bit of uh, banter, I'm sure, going on there. Um, and Leicester, as reigning champions, they are very, very keen to defend their title, so no doubt whatsoever in that. Um, Stuart Dixon has transformed that club. It's a um, it's a local venue for me. I, I, I watch quite a lot at, at Leicester, and it was interesting. We had the discussion previously talking about um, Keith Chapman running two clubs, running, running both Kings Lynn and Peterborough, and then obviously Rob Lyon going in as team manager of Peterborough. Similar situation with um, with Leicester and Leicester and Sheffield, and they're both owned by the Bates family, but the best decision the Bates family made a couple of years ago was to insert Stuart Dixon to keep a bit of distance between the two, especially when they were, they were in the same league. And Stuart Dixon transformed a club who for years had had a miserable time in the top league. The fans were used to losing almost every week. They kept their enthusiasm. And then Stuart Dixon just, just took things forward so many levels in, in the season when they won the championship a couple of years ago. And for me, he's put together a really strong team once again uh, with, a, with a really powerful, solid top five. And the two Thompson twins at reserve will be interesting to see how they get on. I would think at the weekend I would back them to edge out Edinburgh but it might just be an edge out because I think Edinburgh will win, win a lot, lot of races in that meeting and we're going to hear from another Edinburgh monarch as well in Nick Morris because we're going to do a little feature on Wolves very soon because they're the subject of the Monday meeting next week so that preview is still to come quick look at the other fixtures then in the championship in the week ahead Scunthorpe versus Plymouth meaning that uh, Bjarne Pedersen and Jason Crump kick off their careers on Rob Godfrey's home shale um, Berwick versus Birmingham Eastbourne versus Newcastle Leicester versus Edinburgh in the championship and uh, then we move in to the fixtures uh, heading into next Monday, which we're going to preview next here on No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back. I'm Ian Brannan. I'm joined by Dave Rowe, who you'll know from his appearances on Eurosports. And if you haven't seen them yet, you will see him through the course of the season. Dave, let's turn our attention to the National Development League briefly, because I know that that's a league that you uh, you know very well. The first fixture this week is going to be Leicester versus Eastbourne, but also matches between the Bellevue Colts and the Newcastle Gems on the cards as well. Berwick Bullets also racing against the Bellevue Colts later uh, in the week, and uh, also the East. Spawn team versus the Newcastle Gems as well. So lots coming up. But the National Development League, really important for those riders who are up and coming, the young stars, if you like, or at least those who uh, have their eye on a rising star place in the Premiership in future seasons. There's definitely been a, a shift in the National Development League over the winter. Everyone knows about the points limit and the, um, the discussions that entailed over that and, and quite clearly bringing in newcomers lower down and some of the more experienced National League riders stepping up and stepping out of that league. 
Um, we mentioned Leicester there. We talked to Dave Howard, who had a fantastic first season uh, in charge of the Lion Cubs, winning it with a, a top two of Ellis Perks and Daniel Hume, who were fantastic for them throughout the year. And Daniel now um, full-time in the championship with Paul. Ellis Perks has stepped out for the time being. So it's a very different-looking side for Leicester. You look at uh, the fact that Dan and Joe Thompson were the reserves at the start of the previous season two years ago, and now they're heat leaders along, along with, with Joe Lawler. That shows the, the, the way the, the league has changed over the, uh, the the course of the winter. And also with the way the rising stars have, have come in in the championship, the focus is very much now for those championship and premiership clubs to enter a team in this league. You've only got Mildenhall with standalone now in the NDL, and you've got several teams, um, several clubs operating two teams. And the, and the reason for that is to try and bring on these youngsters so that in a say two three years time they'll be ready to be in their their teams at championship or premiership level so it's definitely a shift um how it goes we'll have to wait and see but there's there's lots of young talent out there waiting for its chance and um as you say we've seen uh, Newcastle pick up a good result at uh, Armadale last weekend with, a, with an away win and we'll see some more of the teams um, this week we've got Leicester and Edinburgh coming up on on um, sorry Leicester and Eastbourne coming up on, on Wednesday night I think Eastbourne look, look a strong side it's good to see Jake Knight back in the sport uh, Bellevue racing this weekend too Jack Parkinson Blackburn in their side to it was a real shame to see him go away and now he's back so that's good to see um and i know eastbourne eastbourne and newcastle have a home fixture on on saturday after their championship meeting so yeah lots lots to look forward to in the in the national development league and uh, i'm sure there'll be some some new stars made during the year absolutely we'll keep a close eye on that and more to come from the national development league over the coming weeks here on the podcast as well and finally let's turn our attention to the big fixture next week because we'll be back with you on tuesday we'll be looking back at this match but the feature match on eurosport will be wolves versus bellevue wolves first action whilst bellevue will have had a couple of meetings under their belt by this time but peter adams always puts together a strong lineup doesn't he and monmore being a more technical track can often be a bit of home advantage for them as well Yes, I recall the, when the two sides, when Wolves and Bellevue met in the grand final uh, three or four years ago, uh, and Wolverhampton absolutely blitzed it early on against Bellevue uh, with, with that home track knowledge, home track advantage. Whether that will be the case next Monday remains to be seen. Obviously, you have to feel for, for Wolverhampton on Monday when they tried to run the Thank You NHS individual and they were caught by the weather with uh, i believe heavy rain during the day and eventually they just couldn't get it on after a couple of races it was clear that, that the track wasn't wasn't suitable so they'll be going in pretty cold in terms of of, of track action at monmore for the the riders who are all pretty experienced around there or, or most of them are anyway they know how to get around monmore green but uh, and they would have been racing several of them in, in the championship too. Um, but yes, Bellevue will have had a couple of uh, premiership matches by that stage. And um, that will be, I, I could quite easily foresee a, a close contest there too. Um, Wolves historically would have a, a strong home record. And I think that will be the case again over the season. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that could be a close one on, on Monday. And if Bellevue have the right head on from the start then, uh, yeah, they could do something there. A couple of Wolves stars following in the footsteps of some great names in the past, making the trip over from America to make their name, are Brock Nicholl and Luke Becker. They've been catching up with Nigel Pearson. Yeah, on this special British Speedway podcast interview, I'm with two talented young American riders, Brock Nicholl and Luke Becker, suitably distanced, the three of us, but I'm sure these two guys will be pretty close together when they're out on the racetrack. Welcome back to the UK, guys. Brock, first of all, how are you feeling about the new season? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Um, it's been a long time coming since we had last year off, and yeah, I've, I've been really excited to uh, join the Wolverhampton team, especially alongside um, a fellow American with, with Luke. Um, grew up racing together, so yeah, very exciting times ahead, and yeah, just looking forward to getting started. 
And you, Luke, you've uh, you've had some sliding sideways in in Poland so far, right? Yeah, luckily we've actually um, we've had four meetings now, so we've, we would have had more if uh, meetings weren't getting cancelled due to the weather. But yeah, luckily I've been uh, getting some laps in before being able to come to the UK, not just uh, starting off here. That's how it usually is. But yeah, no, like Brock says, it's awesome to have another American in the team. Um, looking looking down the line, the list of American riders for Wolves, it's, it's cool to see that um, still continuing. But yeah, um, really looking forward to getting some laps in and, and back on the track. Yeah, back in the uh, 90s, of course, Wolverhampton, when your dad was riding Brock, uh, Wolverhampton had Sam Amalenko and, and Ronnie Corry. Do you ever think, could me and Luke be the next Sam and Ronnie? Yeah, that's what we hope hope for, definitely. Um, you still hear their names going around Speedway till this day and um, what a duo they were. So, yeah, definitely that's, that's a goal. It's just um, for me and Luke, obviously we both have our own goals and we want to do good and win races and, yeah, hopefully carry that legacy on. And uh, how important is it for American Speedway now, uh, turning to you, Luke, to try and get another Grand Prix rider? Now we've lost Greg through retirement. Uh, really good. It would be really good to see an, an American coming into the Grand Prix system. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there's, that's basically everybody's goal that we're competing with. But there's not many American riders in Europe, like everybody knows. So to have another one back in the Grand Prix series would be awesome. And I'm sure that's me and Brock's goal to eventually get there. Um, I think we both have a lot of time before that, but that's all part of the stepping stones. And hopefully we'll reach that goal. Yeah. And what about Greg's retirement? You guys must have looked up to him for years, uh, Brock. Speaking to Brock now, you must have looked up to Greg Hancock for many, many years. And really, now we're going to we're going to go racing. It's probably only now that we're, we're you know getting reality that Greg Hancock's not a speedway rider anymore. Yeah, like you said, um, yeah, his retirement. It's obviously uh, yeah pretty sad to see. But I mean, if you look back at the, on the career he had, it it couldn't have been much better um, in such a long career. Uh, like you said, we looked up to him. He was riding in, in from kind of my era when I when I started Speedway. So he was the American and he was the man. So um, yeah, looking up to him and yeah, just striving to be be as good as him one day. And um, yeah, no, was, he had an awesome career. And uh, yeah, I congratulate him on the on the retirement. Luke Becker, what about your all-time heroes when it comes to Speedway? Tell us about them. Yeah, like, we're already talking about Greg. That's definitely uh, someone. We all look up to. I mean, I'm, I, I'm safe to say that almost all the Americans look up to him and want to be in his shoes one day. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of names along, you know, along the line. But um, the most recent years, it's been Greg. So hopefully, we can even just get um, somewhere close to the shoes that he's been in. Guys, it's great to see you today. Brock, Luke, wish you both well with Wolverhampton and both on your individual seasons as well. Because I know you got big goals this year. So all the very best. Have a good season. Luke Becker and Brock Nichol speaking with Nigel Pearson. And Americans have had quite a lot of joy, haven't they, on the Monmore circuit? It's quite a tight track. They grow up, certainly in California, on fairly tight tracks as well. And, and those two, under the watchful gaze of Greg Hancock, surely have a big future ahead. Yes, and um, Wolverhampton are hoping, obviously, that uh, they can uh, follow in the footsteps of uh, Sam Malenko and, and Ronnie Corey from, from back in the day. And the Americans... Really love it around Monmore. We saw it uh, for years and years, the battles between Ermolenko and Corey and Hamill and Hancock when they rode for, for Crady and then Coventry. They have the mastery of, of that circuit. And Luke Becker had a really good first year uh, in the Premiership a couple of years ago, also showing good signs uh, in Polish Division 1 this season so far too. I think he'll kick on. And Brock Nicol had um, injury problems 
last time out. A couple of big crashes, uh, which certainly hampered his, uh, his scoring in 19. So in terms of his place in the Glasgow team, he's certainly on a bargain average. And I think he'll he'll get round one more as well. So I think the fans at, at Wolverhampton who, who like to see uh, young talent coming through, and they certainly give them their backing, they've got two really good talents there to look forward to. And I think the thing with Wolverhampton is, you know, when they invest in a rider, the the view is to invest in them long term. Um, if you uh, if you keep your nose clean at Wolverhampton and you, you do your job, you're generally going to be in that team for a number of years. And I think that uh, clearly Nickel and Becker are two riders who they'll be looking to pin some of their future hopes on. And the other fixture, the one that you'll be at on Eurosport, Dave, uh, Peterborough versus Sheffield. Um, a big track. That could be another close one. Yep, looking forward to that meeting. Uh, Peterborough, always a, a good race track. They did a lot of work on that a couple of uh, couple of years ago. And um, the riders absolutely, absolutely love it. I think the Sheffield riders will love it. I think that's the one the one concern Peterborough will have is that uh, there'll be certain away riders who will fly around the place. Jack Holder is obviously someone you're going to have to look at. He used to ride for Peterborough in the championship. The form he's in, you could see him turning up there with quick kit uh, on Monday and being very hard to beat. And uh, who knows? We'll see what we'll see what Sheffield can do. But Peterborough, after losing so many home matches in 2019, they will be desperate to make a, a fast start to their their home programme. Of course, they, the two sides meet in Owerton on, on Thursday this week, so it'll be a, a quick return fixture. And uh, yeah, interesting, an interesting Monday night ahead, I'm sure. My thanks to Dave Rowe. You'll be able to see Dave back on your telly on Monday night, uh, keeping an eye on that fixture at Peterborough. Have a great week, Dave. Thank you, Ian. It is great to be back. Long may it continue. It's just great to be talking about actual Speedway and looking back on results and previewing matches, and we're finally underway. Long may it continue. So lots of fixtures to look forward to. They're all available at speedwaygb.co.uk, and of course that's the place you can head to to get uh, all of the results as they come in as well. We'll be back with you next Tuesday, looking back on the Monday night's matches and looking ahead to what's uh, on the way for another week in Speedway. Some other things for you. If you have an Amazon smart speaker, you can actually now get regular updates on what's happening in British Speedway if you download the official British Speedway news skill. And then you can ask your smart speaker, what's the latest British Speedway news? And it will fly into action. Notice how I didn't actually say the name there so I don't trigger everybody's smart speakers off. Because I'm considerate like that. And this podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network where you can find your next favourite podcast and there's more Speedway content for you as well in the form of Humans of Speedway. And on that podcast, what we do is we have a look at different individuals. The most recent, though, is looking at an organisation, the Speedway Riders Benevolent Fund, because as everybody gets excited for the start of Speedway, unfortunately, some of those riders starting the season will end it injured, and that's where the world's only charity dedicated to injured Speedway riders comes into its own. You can hear from the chairman, former referee, Paul Ackroyd, and a rider who is certainly benefited from their work Mitchell Davey that is the most recent episode that's available right now and we'll be back with you next Tuesday have a great week this podcast is produced by Nigel Pearson Media Limited for British Speedway no breaks no fear the official British Speedway podcast this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network Social Podcast Network.